there's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey guys, we've got a special episode for you today. Over the next three weeks, we are sharing some of the fun that we have in our Patreon party. You've probably heard me mention our Patreon party by now, but you might not be so sure if you really want to join. I get it. It's hard to commit to something without knowing all that you're getting. That's why we decided to share with you some of our favorite episodes from our Patreon party. Our VIP party guests are the real VIPs with their $6 a month support. Because of their partnership, we're able to dream up new projects like starting your last decade this year. And the Patreon party made it possible for us to hire Lindsay full-time. And the Patreon support is helping us create a new podcast that launches in the fall. It's so much fun to partner with listeners as we get to keep on working to bring great shows to the world. This week, you're going to hear a conversation that me and my man, Aaron Ivey, had with the Enneagram fairy godmother, Suzanne Stabile, and her arm candy, those are her words, not mine, husband, Joe Stabile. We sat down with the Sibyls in the spring of 2019 to talk about marriage. And still to this day, I think back on this conversation often because there is so much gold in what they share. Enjoy this conversation that Aaron and I had with our friends, Joe and Suzanne Stabile. All right, welcome to the happy hour. This is, this is a fun happy hour because there's four of us. Yeah, it's a busy happy hour. It's a busy happy hour. Yeah. First of all, let me introduce everybody around the table. Uh, My man, my main squeeze, my lover, my best friend, my boo. (laughs) Your boo right here next to you. Yep, yep. And then we have a really great couple here, Suzanne and Joe Stabile. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah, happy for having us. Yeah, I had you on everything except boo. I'm gonna gonna work on you being (laughs) my boo boo. now. I'm gonna add that. I was happy with arm candy. <laughs> arm candy. I've never been called that. Hey, when Joe, I will tell you, when Suzanne was on, when I don't know if it was your show or my show, she talked very highly about you being, you've got some looks, she said, that she is, she digs you. Well, she, she speaks highly of me, but I think sometimes it's a, a little grandiose. <laughs> understated, understated, always, yes. understated. Uh, okay, so we, I'm going to just brag and make everybody jealous that's listening because we got to have dinner together last night. Oh, what a wonderful dinner. And you guys are in Austin because you're teaching this weekend, Suzanne. Right. Um, is this a Know Your Number weekend? Uh-huh. Okay, I'm sad Aaron and I can't come, but we've been away from our children. Very sad. My children have fed themselves dinner every night this week. So yeah. we're going we, we to go home. We're going to cook dinner for right. But um, you guys are in town. And so we had a dinner last night with our friends, Brad and Noel, and some friends that you guys introduced us to. And it was lovely. The, the dinner was an Enneagram dinner. It was nine courses. And each course represented the Enneagram number. It was. What was your, what, what was your takeaway from that? What did you think? Well, I thought it was right on, first of all. And I... Um, it was interesting to me how limited my thinking is around the Enneagram and food. Mm. Hmm. 
not anymore, right. but it was last night. I, and I, I loved all of the thought behind why this is the appropriate course to serve for this number. Right. I just loved all of it. Good. What and did, the food. What did you think about your course? Well, I already Joe, forgot what the two was. <sighs> the two was tomato soup. Oh, yes. And, and grilled cheese. cheese. A sourdough grilled cheese sandwich. Right. So you could dip it in there and oh, scoop it up. I could go for that right now. Oh, I would go for that right well, now. Well, so let me tell you why it was so meaningful for us to have that dinner. You know how the Holy Spirit works. You just mm-hmm. never quite know what's happening. But on the way down here, we are, um, we're having a very difficult time around food hmm. because hospitality has been our thing uh, while our kids were growing up. Mm-hmm. We've always had people at our table, lots of people. We haven't had children living at home for eight years, but I'm still cooking for us and our children and their friends. Mm. Mm-hmm which means a lot of wasted food. And when right. I don't cook for all of them, I don't know how to cook at all. Because hmm. cooking for two people is way different. It's really uh, boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we both have very big jobs for people our age. So we're kind of tired at cooking time. Right? Sure, yeah. yeah. And um, we don't want to eat out all the time. But when we do eat out, we have places that we want to go to to eat that are far from our house because we used to not eat out on any kind of regular basis. And so eating out was a bit, a date, right? Mm-hmm. So on the way down here, we were saying, why are we doing that? Why are we going to those places? And we landed on because each one offers us a different kind of comfort through the food. Hmm. So to get to grilled cheese and tomato soup as comfort mm-hmm. perfectly fit what I'd said all afternoon. It was our conversation in the car driving here. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. And what was, I already, I'm, I've already forgotten. What was the nine food? Focaccia. <gasps> oh my gosh. Italian food. It was perfect. That's perfect, perfect for you. Couldn't have been any better. <laughs> God, that was so good too, wasn't it? It was delicious. Homemade uh, focaccia yeah. bread. Yeah. Right. Wow. Right. I was super impressed with, and I don't know if you had anything to do with this, but the thought behind the food and the numbers, like you mentioned, right. about how well they went together. Um, it, and the way Brad explained them, I just went, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes perfect sense. Yeah, Brad did most of the the planning. I mean, he and I talked about the idea of it being a dinner where all courses represented a number. Mm-hmm. And then we brainstormed a little bit about what that would look like. Like, what should a one mm-hmm. meal and a plate look like and feel like? What should it taste like? What should the experience be when you get that plate? It was really fun to think about how different all those personalities are and how to represent that personality on the plate. Mm-hmm. So one was a very technical, it was an omelet. An omelet is the hardest technical thing to make, you know, but when you get a great omelet, you know how filling it is and how fun it is to eat. So it was, it was incredible just to think through that whole thing and then to eat it was also really oh yeah enjoyable. But and I to do that with people that I you I kept love. thinking about Suzanne and the Enneagram work that she's done. She's taken it so deep and she does the Enneagram and. So the Enneagram and work and the Enneagram and recovery, the Enneagram, and so many different things. I During dinner last night, all I could think of is I can see a CD series on the Enneagram and food. And food. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say, we, well, one thing we talked about after everyone left was by like course six, I, my pants were unbuttoned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I clearly was, I'm going to have to make some more room or That's I can't do this. That's a lot of food. That's a lot, so of food. Much food. a lot of food. We tried to make 
so our mindset at the beginning was like very small bites, right. nine small bites. But I'm an Enneagram three. And so I'm like, why would we deliver small things? Let's deliver big wow things, you know? And we're both so into hospitality. And so it, it got a little out of hand. By, <laughs> by eight and nine, we're like, okay, guys. It was sort Let's of like eating smaller. in my grandmother's house when I was a little boy. It just and keeps the, Italian, coming. the meals just kept coming. Uh-huh. I can remember as a as a small boy going to my grandmother's house and there were so many courses I would leave after the pasta. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And they sat for another two hours eating, you know. And in Italian, though, it. pasta is usually the first. It was like it? one of the first yeah. things. Yeah, yep. exactly. Which the thing about last night is when Aaron and I have traveled around the world, a lot of countries with getting together and having a meal together, it is two, three, four hours long Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we love it. I mean, we just don't have a lot of times in our life these days, the capacity to do that. Now, when we have people in our home, I mean, we have some friends that taught us, well, if we say dinner's at six, that's like happy hour and we'll eat at seven because we want to hang out. Mm -hmm. And I just love that so much. I love the slowness of eating like that. So, yeah, I don't know if y'all have ever heard me tell the story, but you know, Joe left home at 14 to go to high school seminary. And then he was living in community with Vincentian priests and brothers until he was 40. And he was really surprised to find out that a hot breakfast at a certain time, right after prayers and a hot lunch, right after prayers and a hot dinner, right at the same time was like an an unusual thing. And I, I can't even talk before coffee in the morning. Right. It, it's like morning is not my thing. So Joe wakes up singing, then prays, and I'm still, I don't know where, but not awake. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was so weird. But then Joe settled on, all right, I can give up breakfast and I can give up lunch in the sense that I've known it. But dinner, we're all showing up yes. at the same time mm-hmm. and we're eating together and there will be no distractions at the dinner table. And we raised our kids at the dinner table. Mm. And now still, when we're together for holidays, we stay at the table for three, three and a half yeah. hours. I love that. That's... So many great conversations happen at the table over food. Right. Yeah. We're, we've tra- we're trying to build our family that way too. We're in that season where it's really hard yeah. because we have four kids. Each one is in a different sport. Their schedules. Different schedule. Uh-huh. We're Uber drivers mm. for them all the time. you know. And so it's it's taking more work to make family meals happen. Like before we started this podcast and told you that this tonight will be the first or tomorrow will be the first night that we'll be with our kids around a dinner table in like five nights. Yep. That's not normal for us. Like we don't like that. So sure. it, it takes a lot more work right now, but that's a value we have too. And I will say just to encourage anyone that's listening, if this is the stage of life you're also in is we've always called, if we're all home, because Aaron and I both have jobs where we travel. So if we're all home, no one has anything, it's just automatically called, it's family, family night. night. That's right. And it just, it we started that years ago. And years ago, it would be like, there was something special happening. But now it's just, oh, tonight's family night, which means it doesn't mean anything special. It just means mm-hmm. we're all we're here all and we're having dinner. Yeah. Everybody's here. Yeah. yeah. And we yeah. put our phones Families away. together. No yep. technology. We're going to hang out together. We're going to actually have family time. And our kids love it. They love it. So family nights, we've also had family meetings. You guys have had family meetings. Family meetings. Anybody in the family could call a family meeting and then everybody had to show up. Sometimes it was us calling the meeting because we had new rules and new regulations. But Frequently, in. it was the children who called a family meeting. 
And I, I was going to say before, before we leave that, that I, our kids learned to tattle mm. while saying grace mm-hmm. at mealtime. Oh, while oh, they were tattling praying. while they're praying. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and dear Jesus. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Jenny's the nine and, and she's second oldest. Joey's the eight. And Jenny would say, thank you for the food and for mom and dad who prepared it. And I'm so sad for you, God, because I know it breaks your heart when Joey takes my stuff without asking. Oh, my goodness. That is incredible. Like they just worked it all That's in. incredible. It was hilarious. Yes, really, really good. And and our conversation was, tell us about your day. Like mm-hmm. that's how mm-hmm. we started. Mm-hmm. And Joey always went first. And um, I, I guess because she's an eight or the oldest, I don't know. But she usually was succeeding in some way. And then Jenny was next. And as a nine, she was all happy if her friends were getting along. So she wasn't being pulled by one group or Pulled by another. Right. Joel's a seven, so that was a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a fight in the cafeteria, that was noteworthy. Right. Otherwise, it was kind of a ho-hum day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but BJ's our four, and he was always last. And you'd say, well, BJ, tell us about your day. Well, I didn't really have a very good day. Well, why, Beach? Well, I didn't eat any lunch. I fixed you a lunch. Why didn't you have lunch? Well... I gave it to Jack. Jack's mom and dad got a divorce, and they don't have any money. Mm, And I think if I didn't take care of Jack, he's not going to get to eat. Could we make a lunch for Jack every day? And I said, well, sure, we can. And so anyway, BJ was with the Texas Boys Choir for seven years, and he was on tour with them, and the kids called a family meeting. Hmm. And they said, look, every night we go to bed on some sad tragic story and we just can't do it anymore so you got to change the question mm-hmm. so we said okay so when bj got back from tour we said hey bj we have a new question and the new question is what's the best thing that happened to you today so that night at dinner we kind of went through them and got to what's the best thing that happened to you today bj and he said the best thing and we said you know that's the new question he sat there for a minute and he said well Oh, I know, I know. The best thing that happened to me today is that I'm not Jack. <laughs> because his parents aren't living together. And then it's just right back, right in. back, right right back into it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and the yeah. children all just went, oh. <laughs> That's hard right there. That though. is, that is, that hard, is so. crazy. So uh, how did you set the culture of anybody can plan a family meeting? Did you have a family meeting and say, hey, anybody can call a family meeting? Where'd no, that come from? We just decided that if we were going to deal with conflict in our family, we we're going to all be there for it. I love that. We're and that gonna, required a meeting. We were all going to make it work. And we were going to make it work for the sake of the family. Because if there was conflict in one part, it affected the other parts of the family in some form or fashion. When Suzanne first started studying the Enneagram, it changed a lot how we began to parent our children. So one day, Johanna called a family meeting and sat us down and said, Mom, I don't know what it is you're reading, but I want you to stop. (laughs) We've talked about it, she said. Really? It's kind of messing things up. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. How how old was she at the time? Put that away. Um... Maybe 12. Put it away, Mom. (laughs) Yeah, put that away. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. 
and no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about marriage. All right. right. You guys, you've been married 30 plus years. Yep. Yes. Got a late start. Were you 40 when you got married? Uh, yes. I was Catholic priest until I was 40. Mm-hmm. Chose to leave the priesthood. And then we began to date. And uh, got married. That's awesome. So raised four kids. Yeah. I was a single mom with three kids, and Joe adopted those three, and we had a fourth. And we had two foster kids for a time. And well, I, there are so many things I could say about the reality of that. But Joe was not just a priest till he was 40. He was a celibate priest until he was 40. And he went by all the rules. Mm. And he, he, 
he did all the things that he was told to do in order to be a priest and be a good one. And he was. So it wasn't a matter of uh, uh, trading in bad for good. It was actually, I think, a matter of trying to do the next right thing. Mm. So I want to say one thing, and then I may reference it again, and then I'll come back to that. And the the thing I want to say is that a friend of ours, uh, Cheryl Fullerton, who's a editor of lots of good authors, Richard Rohr and Parker mm, Palmer mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Sarah Miles and a lot of folk. Mm. And uh, she's my literary agent. And I was talking to her the other day and she said, I'm so surprised by what's happening in my life. Like everything's a surprise for me. Right. So um, I was saying, it's just so surprising. And she said, you know, I, I, I understand that. But for you and Joe, the journey has been a long obedience in the same direction. Yes. And I think that's why things have turned out like they have. Mm. And in Joe's long obedience in the same direction, I don't really think you ever changed direction in a dramatic way. You just were obedient to the next part of the journey. Would you say that? Yeah, I think absolutely. I I don't know what you all know of, of my past history, but uh, I wanted to be a priest from the time I was six. Mm. And in a religious order... Back in 1961, when I entered seminary, you could join in high school. So I, I entered in the high school seminary. I was in seminary for 13 years. But it, it was exactly what I always believed God had called me to do, was mm. to be a Catholic priest. And um, when after ordination, I was fairly successful in the order, had risen in positions in the order, and just knew that was exactly what I was supposed to be doing. Right. And then when I had the sense that I was supposed to leave the order and pursue married life. Again, it was how can I be obedient to that, which I feel God's calling me to. And then the question after that was, how do I remain obedient to the next step? Right. Which was to be called back into ministry in the Protestant church. And so it's always been for me, what's the next right thing to do? What's the next right decision to make. Mm-hmm. And in the process of doing that, how can I be as faithful as I possibly can be to what I believe God's leading, guiding, and calling me to in that moment? So Yeah, that's incredible. I think that's a good word. Even, I mean, we have plenty of people that listen to our show that are that are not married and they're thinking, I, how, where do I go to meet the right, right person? How do I, how do I find this person? And one thing that I'm hearing often from a lot of wise people, and you just said it so well, is you're just doing what's in front of you. You're just doing the next right thing in front of you. And I think we have this this idea that that I need to go out and, mm-hmm. and, and make things happen. And I'm a go-getter. So there is a little bit of that. But when you're looking at relationships and what you said, even with the ministry that you were in as a Catholic priest, you literally were just saying, God, what is next? Like, what's next? Okay, I'm gonna keep walking in the same direction, just like you said, Suzanne. Mm-hmm. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I think the world would be less if Joe had never been married and had never had children and mm-hmm. grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And I, he was a really good priest, and I don't ever want to be dishonoring of that. And it is an incomplete way of being in the world based on his gifts and graces. Mm-hmm. So we all adore him. We adore him. And I, um, I can remember when the children were little and it, we knew it was time for him to come home from the church. We all ran to the door to meet him. I did too. I love that. It was like we couldn't wait till he got home. 
And it hasn't changed much <laughs> for me. <laughs> I still run to the door. That's incredible. I, I don't know how or why we are still so deeply in love with one another. But it is sometimes breathtaking. And we're 71 and 68. Mm. So, I mean, we need to know. Like, I know you said you have no idea. But, I mean, you know, we're 17 years in. Mm -hmm. We've got people that send in questions that are two years in. And what does that look like to keep that, not just that commitment for 30 plus years, but that love and that passion and that excitement. I know you said, like, I don't know what it is, but do you, anything that you got for us about what it might be? I think originally for me, it it was an incredibly honest and vulnerable friendship Hmm. because Suzanne and I started working together in the Catholic church as we were developing and growing life in the Trinity ministries, which began in the Catholic church. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. It began as a priest and lay person in the Catholic church, striving to, to say after Vatican II in the Catholic church, that father's not better than the laity, that they each Mm. have gifts to bring to to the church, and they can work side by side together in the church. And so Life in the Trinity Ministries began in the Catholic Church with us preaching what in the Catholic Church they'd call parish missions, and the Protestant Church we'd call revivals in churches. And so the two of us would go into churches all around the country teaching together and me preaching at the worship services. And during that time, we ended up with a lot of spare times when we were just together as friends. Mm -hmm. And so what happened during that time was that we just developed a very, very strong friendship and um, a very honest friendship and a very vulnerable friendship at that point. In fact, to be very honest, when I first proposed to Suzanne, she said, why would I want to ruin a good friendship? Mm. <laughs> we really came to it in that Joe was not planning to leave the priesthood. He was very content there. And I had been hurt and thought, you know, I'm going to pass on men mm-hmm. and just raise these little old kids and do life the best I know how. Right. And so I, I don't know for most people how it really works. I know that we fell in love after we built a, a friendship that wasn't complicated by sexual mm-hmm. um, anything because Joe was a priest. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there was a boundary that didn't you didn't cross, right? Which changed the game, I suppose. Yeah, the, the it probably th- allows you to be vulnerable with him without thinking, oh, he just That's wants right. something. That's from right. Me. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. absolutely. The next thing, though, that I think is a. a a marker for us is we we have a list of priorities that doesn't change throughout all the years of marriage. Uh-huh. Absolutely. What is that list? Can you give us a few? Uh, for me, it's God first, Suzanne second, children third, church fourth. And that's uh, always been the case, and. I don't think that's true in everybody's life. Some people get so involved in their careers and so involved mm. in in the work that they do, particularly if you're in a, a, a situation like ministry where so many people are asking you for help and, and to serve them. And so that's just absolutely never changes. 
for us. Is that something you, st- you these priorities that you're talking about that y'all talked about at the very beginning of your relationship? Yes. But but we really are talking about living them like family trumps church, mm-hmm. period. Mm. I'll give you a perfect example. Yes. I was an associate on staff and I was in charge of adult education and the pastor came to me and said there was a new young Sunday school class that was just beginning, a, a single Sunday school class. And he said, they're starting on a Sunday and I'd like you to be there when they start their Sunday school class. And I said to him, well, I'm really sorry, but our daughter is going to be in the church children's play. Third grade. She has a lead role, so I'm going to be there. I'm not I'm not able mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. And he was pretty discouraged by that statement and said, well, in that case, well, as soon as the play is over, you can go join them. And I said, well, I, can, I really can't because her grandparents are going to be here for this. And right. we're having a big celebration of her and her role in that situation. So it's that kind. It was those kinds of choices all the way along. Mm-hmm. It's 10,000 of them. And yeah. just mm-hmm. one right after the other, over not, and over. Not just priorities in theory. That's right. But lived but actually out. actually lived out when hard kind of things come. In those like hard places. Yeah. yeah. And so the first thing that secretaries are told is, if Suzanne calls, she, you find me. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's how we do it. Yeah. Now. So you better, if you're calling, you better, it needs to be for important or you're just fine with whatever. No, I. Uh, she I'm usually it. aware of his schedule, mm-hmm. right? But if something happened that was causing me angst, or you, I wouldn't hesitate to. You know, you can like get if it. If you're ever like, I need to call Joe. I can't find the remote control. I wouldn't probably do that, <laughs> only because I'm not good at using the remote control if I find it. But I, um, it, it wouldn't be an emergency. I wouldn't feel like it had to be an emergency. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. The other side of it's not quite that holy. Come on. Um, I want God to be my first priority. I Like, I would really like to be able to look at the two of you and honestly say, God first. But Joe's my first priority. And I can't, I don't think that's a good thing even. But I, it's an honest answer. Mm-hmm. Early in our marriage, um, Joe, one day I said to Joe, if Jesus came to the door, you know, we got all these little old kids and we're living in a parsonage. It's too little for us and life's a little tricky and I'm a little feisty for a minister's wife. I mean, it was a tricky time. <laughs> <Man. laughs> and I said, um, if Jesus came to the door and said to you, Joe, get your stuff and come go with me, what would you do? And he just looked at me incredulously and he said, well, I'd, I'd get my stuff and I'd go. And I said, no, no, you... Just listen real carefully. <laughs> right. <laughs> if Jesus said, get your stuff, not get Suzanne and the kids. Just yours. Just yeah. get your stuff and come. What would you do? And he said, well, I'd go. And that was at least 28 years ago. And I've been trying to be able to honestly answer that question that mm. way since. And I can't. So God's a huge priority in my life. And I hope at the center of my life and... um just not there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, like people say, like if you were looking at Jesus, mm. and I think I would say, you know, I, I need to bring Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure he'll come. Yeah. Can He's I been get waiting a for you. Yes. He's right, been waiting right, for right. you. His bags are packed. Right. 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 <laughs> Jesus would be like, I was hoping you said that. He's yeah, in the car. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. in the car already. So, yeah. 
So the other thing we did is when we first figured out what our priorities were, instead of just chatting it up about them all the time, sure, we kept a one-month schedule of how we spend our days and of the choices we made. And then we put the schedule of what we had actually done with a month of our life next to what we said our priorities were. Oh, boy. Wow. And it was a game changer. Another wow. thing that, that helped us in that process, too, is when... When I came into ministry in the United Methodist Church, they sent all of their young people who were going to be ordained and anybody who came in from outside the denomination to psychological testing just to make sure we were all on the same page mm-hmm. and sane. And we did that. Suzanne and I did that together. And uh, the psychologist that we saw looked at us after he had done all this testing and said, the two of you are very other referenced. So I'm going to give you a tool. And if you use this, I think it'll make a huge difference in your life. And he gave us this, this very simple tool of dividing your week into 21 squares. You have seven days, you have morning, afternoon, and evening or nighttime. And you have these 21 squares. And he said, so each week, each Sunday, you would fill this out for yourselves. And you start by putting one square just for yourself so that you have some personal time, alone time, when Mm -hmm. you can do what you want to do. You have two squares that are just for the two of you as a couple. Then you fill in the squares that you need to fill in for children's activities and those kinds of things. And then you put in your work schedule or church schedule or however many squares get left over for the church. And if there's any reason that you can't honor the square that you have, like, for example, if we had a Tuesday night square just for the two of us, and all of a sudden I come up with a church meeting, then in that moment, then I have to replace that square in the week somewhere else. else. Mm-hmm. And we did that faithfully for a long time, Tell those 21 squares. You would really? actually sit down and fill in the squares every week. Each week. Wow. I mean, to, that is... To taking, honor that. Yeah, it's taking those priorities and actually putting them on paper, literally. Exactly. And, and kept in front of us. I love that. I mean, it's the it, same thing with like people making a New Year's resolution. Right. You make this big kind of claim about what you want to do for a year, but unless you actually have a plan for doing that, uh, it's not going to happen. Right. And in marriage, I mean, I think most people with most people that are married or thinking about married want a healthy marriage. Nobody usually is like, man, I want a terrible marriage where we don't like each sure. other and don't. People want a good marriage, but that's where it usually falls apart. Is the ideal. The priority not matching daily rhythms. I love that. And Jamie and I have to stop often. I mean, we did it this week. Like we've done, we're doing too much this week. How did we get to this place? How do we reel backwards a little bit? So I love the foresight you're talking about. And that's the case, I think, of reeling backwards sometimes mm. when we get that too far ahead of ourselves. And, and, and our lives just... One of the things we observed in our lives is they just continually got busier mm-hmm. and busier and busier. You know, Suzanne's job grew and my job grew and we went to the next larger church and the kids' activities became more and mm-hmm. all of those kinds. So we had something that just sort of kept us grounded uh, that we could go back to over and over again to That's really check good. ourselves. Yeah. We declared our ourselves and our way of being publicly too. So in the United Methodist Church, you are seated. You know, we're only appointed for one year at a time. And when they move you to it, the bishop appoints you. And when you get moved to a new church, they have what they call a seating and you go and meet the leadership of the church. Mm -hmm. 
And in those meetings, when it was down to, are we going to do this partnership, church and pastor or not? Joe always said right there at the get-go, you need to know that my first priority is God and I'm going to tend to my own spiritual life. And that after that, it's Suzanne and the children. And that will always be true. If you have an emergency, I'll be there. Mm. But if one of my kids has an event and there's a church meeting, I'm going to be with my child. Mm. Mm. Yep, yep. And then it's not a surprise later and people were told and there's not all the... All the stuff. The other thing, though, for all four of us, just because for your listeners, we all four have a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. And lots of couples with children don't have that. Sure. That's true. So I think we ought to just name that. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. The 21 square still works, though. Sure. Yeah. And we also all four have a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think when marriages break down and relationships break down, so often it's because it's not that people don't want to manage them well or fix them, it's because they don't know how. Mm. They don't have the tools. That's they right. really don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, I think there's a, a a way with or without the enneagram. I think the enneagram helps, but I, I think there's a way to be honest that isn't hurtful. So um, I am sure that when I'm traveling, I miss Joe more than Joe misses me. And it's hard for me. And so he doesn't, he's not uh, placating by saying, oh, I miss you as much as you miss me. He says, I think that's true. (laughs) It's true, same for us. It's the same thing thing for for us us. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then that kind of little tiny pieces of integrity Mm. end up, not muddying the water mm. with um, pretense, yeah. which comes fairly easily, I think. And uh, a f- public affection was a decision for us. Like, we hold hands, and we've always held hands, and we got reported to the bishop for being too <laughs> affectionate with one another. No kidding. In my first assignment in the Methodist church, yeah, somebody huh. in the church reported to the bishop that we held hands way too often and and too much in public. And supposedly his response was, well, you do understand he used to be celibate. (laughs) (laughs) I think he added, I think we're lucky they're just holding Holding hands. hands. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Well, I actually noticed that last night at dinner um, that you guys, you know, you sat together at dinner. There was 14 people or so, all couples um, and you guys were very, it was obvious that you liked each other, that you enjoyed sitting next to each other. I saw a couple times where you'd reach over and, and grab his hand. And that is a powerful kind of thing for even other people to see and our kids to see. Because mm-hmm. Jamie and I also, um, we like each other. Like we genuinely right. love mm-hmm. hanging out with each other. She's my favorite person on the planet that's yep. alive. Yes. Um, and so we like that too. And I think it says something to our kids. We want our kids to see us hold hands and to hug and to be in love with each other. It's powerful. It's powerful for unbelievers to see too. What is a, what's a Christian marriage look like? Um, Cause it's not always modeled that way. So I guess if you're going to go down right from your Bishop, yeah, it's going to be holding your wife's <laughs> hand. Holding wife's hand. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Well, the one thing I would say though, too, cause we're older than you guys um, is that our children, our adult children have come back to us now and said, we're really grateful that you have the relationship that you have, but it made it really hard. Because? 
made it hard for them to find somebody with whom they thought they could have that relationship. Mm. And they struggled through um, trying to have what we have. Fortunately, our children have always talked to us. And we, along the way, could say, we built this. Like we didn't happen. Just n- no magic here. Right. 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 We built. We this. worked at it. Right. I don't like it at all when people tell me you're so lucky. Well, people do say that all the time, don't they? They sure. do. Y'all just work so easily together. Yeah, oh, yeah. lucky you guys. Mm-hmm. It's not that way, is it? No, I didn't. And I think part of that, with at least with the children, but it certainly has worked out in our lives, has been the the honesty of the relationship throughout these years that, yes, we are madly in love with each other and we have been from the very beginning. We still mm-hmm. are. But we've had our difficulties and we have had our fights and we mm-hmm. have had those difficult times and the children knew that. You know, they, they'd see us or hear us fighting. And they and, watched us make up. And watched us make mm-hmm. up. So mm-hmm. they knew that that people don't always agree and people don't always get along. And if there's a a very difficult relationship or time in their life, um, we'll we'll find our way through it, come out on the other side, and we'll make up, and it'll it'll continue to grow and be right, beautiful. Right. I think part of that was then lived out in their lives with one another, in the same kind of way, realizing as siblings will always do, fighting with one another over different things. Yeah, I think another piece too is. Um, Another cornerstone for us was a line from an old Bob Dylan song. Mm. Come on now. Well, I'm not sure what song it is, but I was just thinking you might know. <laughs> but the line is, let's keep each other forgiven and free. Mm. Ooh, I don't know what song that's from, but that's good. Isn't it good? And so as a family, we adopted that. We're mm. going to keep each other forgiven and free. And I'll tell you, one of the ways we did that was by just changing a sentence. And instead of saying, I'm sorry, in our family, we say, will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. Because it requires a response. There's a difference, isn't there? There yeah. is a big Between difference. Between just being sorry for something. Yeah, and saying, will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. And I I think um, I, I think the chemistry is right for us, like it is for you guys. And it's lovely. But chemistry won't get you through sick kids and drama and recovery and tragedy and it won't. 40 years of life, it won't get you no, through that. It really won't. And I, sometimes being in love is a decision. Mm. I'm going to be in love with you again today. I'm going to do the things that let you know that I'm in love with you again today. So I, I don't know. We're, we're at a very odd place now. Um, on Sunday mornings when I get to church... Uh, Joe meets me, and we usually greet one another with a kiss because he left at seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yep. That's our day. This is our That's life. Our Keep life. going. I wasn't. <laughs> I was not, I wasn't, I'm not awake when I, I leave no, for church. No. But now people are saying about us, y'all are so cute. Mm. I don't like it much. Mm. I, I, I mean, I. Yeah, we don't do it to be cute. We're not yeah, cute. We, do you we're, think that's what they mean by it? I don't know what they mean. Are they younger people saying that no, to you? No, it's older. People. Oh, okay. Oh. Hmm. But we're not cute. We're deeply in love with one another mm-hmm. and we There's greet one another with a kiss of affection. Yeah. And I I don't want lucky and I don't want cute. Yeah. <laughs> because then people are looking for the wrong thing who yeah. want the kind of thing that we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? 
And I really believe in mentoring couples. So y'all are young. And if you're not mentoring younger couples, I'm challenging you to that right now. Mm, It's a good challenge. And our home has been, if you can't work it out, call us. Mm. But everybody has to be at the table. Yeah. No, we don't have any one-sided conversations right. about people who are struggling. That's the good. guy doesn't come over for dinner to vent, no. or the woman no, doesn't come over. Absolutely yeah, not. it's yeah. both. Mm-hmm. We'll, yeah. we'll deal with both of you at the same time. Mm. We'll be right there and walk with you and stand with you, but it's it's a couple thing. Mm. And that you, doesn't always end up yeah. great, but it's it has a lot of integrity. So uh, here's another thing. Uh, Aaron, we're going to... It's easier for me to do this with you than with Joe, so we're going to have to kind of work around the mics. I'm ready. So um, I'm adopted, right? So we don't know what I am. We know Joe's Italian. Mm -hmm. So um, Joe says that I fight like an Italian Mm -hmm. and I cook like an Italian. And he says I do one other thing like an Italian. (laughs) (laughs) But when uh, when I'm mad at him, his new plan from about 20 years ago now. I think so. Was, I think we need to put our hands, our, our chairs together. Okay. And we need to sit knees touching so we can kind of pretend that we're okay. doing this. We have to hold hands and sit knees touching, and then we can fight. Whoa. There you go. Changes. Well, well that changes the dynamic of it's every over. word, conversation, it's over right what then. you say, how you say it. It's over right then. So then the fight is about me refusing to sit face oh, to face. That's what mine would be. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't want to sit there and do this. But then then Joe's response, if I say I don't want to, is, well, then why do you want to be in this fight? Hmm. It's, it's like, so then that led us to what are we fighting about? Because it's not about what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about something, but it's not about this. Right. Thank you for holding right. hands with me. Anytime. Yeah. And that, that is important because it eventually led us to what the real issue was. So that we're not fighting about just some little insignificant thing that happened to pass by. What's hardly ever right? What it's is never no, about what that. is the real issue here, and what are we going to do to resolve that so we don't keep coming back to this place, mm-hmm. same place, mm-hmm. over and over and over? Yeah. So we've had our fights. They haven't always been about the same thing, and they've been about different issues that have come along. But it's finding the way to resolve that particular issue and then see to it that that one doesn't come back up again. Mm. That is super helpful because we talk a lot about, you know, marriage being this this picture, this representation of Christ and mm-hmm. his bride. And that's what that's what Christ does. He never in when I'm in conflict with him or I'm upset or self-entitled or whatever, all he does is get closer, knee to knee, mm-hmm. hand to hand. He's right there. And in marriage, mm-hmm. so many times we forget that part. Mm-hmm. That's harder for me, uh, probably than Jamie. I'm I'll gonna, just say I'm going to agree with that. I, I think it's <laughs> my my wiring and all that kind of stuff. But I I have trouble in moments of conflict coming closer. I want to pull further away right. and work it out on my own. Right. And then come back. Hey, I'm sorry, I was a jerk. And in moments of conflict, I need. But she you needs to be close the need to, me to because knee because I think you're going to leave me. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And so that is that's often a conflict of. I need, I know you're mad at me. Just give me a hug. Yeah. Yeah. I just need you to touch me. And I'm like, I can't hug you if I'm mad at you. Yeah. So that's something that we have to constantly work through. And that's, that's a helpful, that's a helpful It's a shortcut right there. I, you know, nine, Joe's nine and they, 
like to avoid conflict at any cost. And I, that holding hands and knees touching business Ooh. avoids con- <laughs> that shortens the whole it's, deal. It sure does. You were onto something when you it figured sure, that out. Yeah. You can't point fingers when you're no, holding you hands. No, you can't do anything. Mm-mm. Can't throw things. No. You can't walk out of <laughs> the room. Uh-uh. Can't no. sleep on the couch. Nothing. No. Nothing. <laughs> well, and you know, that's another most, thing. I that, think mostly it had to do with me because I was the one who's the, I'm a withdrawing Enneagram number, and I was the one who's inclined to leave. And I was the one who was inclined to go and have at different times when we've had a fight. Mm, so you're fighting for your own kind of... Yeah, and I, I leave and and I get a call from Suzanne and say, you know this is going to still be here when you get home tonight. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. So it keeps you there. When, yeah. we do the, when we hold hands, it keeps yeah, you it forces in you in it. Mm. You know, um, some really great friends of ours renewed their vows in December, 25 years. And... Um, as I'm hearing you talk, I'm thinking about um, something that he said, Devin said to his wife, and I immediately got my phone out and wrote it down because he said to her, he said, I recommit to you through the lens of experience. Uh-huh. And God, that can make me That's cry beautiful. again, just thinking great? about it because it's saying, I've got 25 years, 30 plus years, you know, Aaron and I, 17 years, and I would still say yes to this, even knowing everything I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when you get married, you don't. You, you have no nothing. idea what's ahead of you, yeah. you know? And so to hear him say that and to see you guys, it is such an encouragement to us. Oh, my gosh. It's I, not cute, though, Suzanne. It's no. not cute. It's no, not no, no, cute. No, no, no. It's hard it's one. It's work and love. It's yeah. hard one, I think. Mm. Yeah. It, and some of the things, other things that we did, I, one of the things that we do is is that we um, we both have access to each other's Emails, all emails, all, and, all of and those nothing, kinds of things. No secrets. So there's no secrets in in that way, shape, or form. And we also started our marriage. This was a Joe Stabile idea too. We started our marriage uh, about once every two months with, um, "Tell me three things you don't want me to know." Mm. Oh goodness, that's good. No, that's is that usually difficult. about like myself, like three things. Sometimes I don't it was want about the past. Sometimes mm. it was about something I thought, or yeah. well, then that just clears the way. Mm. Every every three things cleared yeah. the way. Yep, that was really very helpful when we first got married because we came from such different backgrounds. Me coming from the religious life, and Suzanne coming from her experience of being adopted as a child and then married and with the children. So we, we had learned a lot in our time together in our friendship, but we wanted this marriage to go forward with complete mm. honesty sure. and integrity. So it was, let me think back over anything that you don't know about me. And I want you to know that. Um, another piece that, that came out of that, then I think was periodically we'll uh, just say to one another, Tell me what you want mm. and tell me what you need, and I'll tell you whether or not I can give that to you. Mm. And that was that was helpful as well. It still mm. is helpful. Still is. Yeah. So my, I, I'm sorry. My question when I hear this is, God, these are amazing things. Um, what was it like to walk? I mean, tell me something I don't know. Tell me three things I don't know. Or what do you need from me? Those can be very difficult conversations. Right. I mean, there can be, you could take stuff personally. You could be hurt. You could feel like, I thought I was giving you what you need, but now I know that you're not. And and I know that we could talk about the Enneagram with this all and what lens you see this through. But how did you guys work through the, after the tell me three things, there had to have been some moments where you thought, well, Oof. 
thought mm. I was doing that. And he or she says I'm not or wow. Did you, were there ever those times when you just thought, I think I wouldn't have wanted to know that? Um, sometimes we would give each other the option. I would say like, I'm, I'm really struggling with something maybe from my previous marriage. Do you want to know it? Mm. Mm. Um, but you know, the, the thing, it's interesting to me that we've gotten this far in and we haven't talked about the one thing that we have in common. And that is that we both do contemplative prayer practices. Let's talk about that. That's a game changer there. That's a game changer. Mm. And we have a home altar which is sounds weird, Mm-mm. but it's not weird. I want to hear about it. Yeah, talk about both of those things. <clears throat> well, I want to. I, I want to talk about those, and I want you to. And but I want to just back up and just answer Jamie with another point that you came to mind when you were talking is is that we have always held that with love and honesty, anything can be worked out. Mm. Anything can be worked out. But you have to have both of those. Mm. You, you, can't know, you can't just have the honesty and not the love because yeah. things are going to get really bad. Yeah. You know? And the love is good, but if it's not totally honest at the same time, then you, we're failing and missing yeah. the point. Yeah. So, so that's been a guiding mm. I mean, love you're, point. you're seeing from me, my, I'm kind of getting sweaty over here, from the fear of what, what if you, what, what, how could this go bad? Yeah. <laughs> like, this seems it, like it could go downhill sure. quickly. But you actually wrote the book to prove that it can't. It's exactly go. right. Yeah, and and I fight go. hard to believe that it can't. And so, yeah. but I can see where my mind immediately goes of. So just put yourself back before if you only knew, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in a marriage where you're carrying all of that and you haven't shared it, then it's eating away at you it day is. after yeah. day after yeah. day anyway. So you, you don't trust love. If the other person doesn't know, ultimately you get to a point where you think, but if you knew, you wrote the book, girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and I'm not, I can't even think of anything that Aaron and I would feel that way, but I just, my mind does go. And I think I thought more of like, it would be a very vulnerable thing for me to say, um, here's what I'm not getting from you because I love my husband so much and we have such a great marriage and relationship that I would feel sad to say that. Is that weird? No. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I would just feel like I was hurting him. Does that but make that, sense what I'm saying? Yeah, but you're yeah. putting you on him. And I don't think I struggle with that. No, I, I was going to say, <laughs> I don't think that you struggle with that because there has been, been plenty many of times, times where you have said, hey, what do you need from me? What am I not doing that would be helpful? It's um, true. And me too. Yeah. we. Do, yeah. So let me tell you but where I could there's go. there's still fear in you. It just comes up to the surface. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, my question is, is it fear about details? Mm-mm. Because you see, I, I, early on in our relationship, uh, when we were doing two things that I don't know, or three, mm-hmm. when we were really courageous. <laughs> <laughs> Start um, with one, people, if you're nervous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was not helpful to know details. But, you know, people make up stuff if they're secret. mm I think secrets are so destructive. So mm, very destructive. Yep. And if the ground is clear, I I can't imagine you ever walking in the door and saying, I heard something about you today that I didn't know. Mm. And I can't imagine what I could make up if I found out something about you that I didn't know, right? And I'm, we're not talking about silly stuff. Right, but, right, right. Um. There are a lot of struggles growing up from 14 on celibate mm-hmm. in a 
community of all men. Mm-hmm. And I worked very hard to get to know where Joe was. I've been to all the places where he was in seminary. I've met as many of the men that he was in community with as I could so that his life stories are not that's good. ethereal that is, yeah. in some yeah. way. They all yeah. have faces. Yeah. You can yeah. see it. They, they make sense to me, and I, I get all that. And she I, can tell the story sometimes better than me. <laughs> and I, I think we um, say that we are protecting other people when we're protecting ourselves. Mm. And for me... If you don't know me, I'm going to figure if you did, you wouldn't really love me. Mm-hmm. So I used, I used to introduce myself this way. I used to say, hi, my name's Suzanne. I was adopted because my mother didn't want me. I was sexually abused when I was 16. I gained 120 pounds that summer. I never really lost all of it. My first husband and I really struggled. I'm divorced. I'm a single mom. I had foster kids. I don't know if I did a good job. Blah, 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 blah. And then I literally thought people were going to say, Okay, and I'm leave. Mm. And so what I was doing was saying, here's the gig. Here's who I am. If you're leaving, now you can just go ahead and go and I quit worrying about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Because I think people are going to leave, mm-hmm. right? Mm. So I, it's nice to not have surprises. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really, it's really nice. And I, you know, you're a wife of a pastor. Mm-hmm. Church women love pastors. Well, she's a feisty pastor's wife. Well, she's I like got you, one too. So. Me and Joe are having and church women do love pastors. Church women do love pastors. They really love pastors that can sing Mm. and they yeah. Oh, and he Mm -hmm. has beautiful voice. So, like, I mean, it's a thing, Mm. and there's no way to manage that unless Joe says, you know, little flirty. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we have those conversations. Yeah, yeah. um, when they come up, um, and and both sides. Like, there's a lot of men in our church that are. You know, Jamie's incredible and awesome and hot. beautiful and powerful sure. and all that kind of stuff. So we, yeah, we have to talk about that often. Yeah, we don't. People don't flirt with me. Oh, that's just definitely that's not, not true. true. Oh. Oh, it is true. They <laughs> do not flirt with her. Joe, I, one day I said to Joe, early in our marriage, I said, I'm done. Like, I'm done with this. So I just want you to know that tonight when we go to this party, I'm just going to flirt. I'm going to tell you who I'm going to flirt with. You just watch for it. And then you'll know how it feels. <laughs> because the women are always flirting with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Italian, I, Italian pastor. That'll do it. So I go right up to this guy that I told Joe I was going to flirt with. And Joe's watching from across the room. Uh-huh. And I start getting all flirty. And with God is my witness, he patted me on the head and said, are you, are you all right? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Oh, my goodness. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! 
and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Okay, this so is the Joe best. Just passed. This is y'all's first public ministry picture. picture. When picture. you are traveling around right. and doing the We're working uh-huh. together in the Catholic Church. Uh-huh. Incredible. <laughs> See now, doesn't one of those look like a flirt and the other one not? <laughs> kind of. They, they, they both look flirty. Oh I mean, my god! You got the the, the doily. The the somebody collar. said somebody said about that picture not too long ago. Uh, the two collars say it all. <laughs> that is true. That is awesome. That is gold that is right awesome. there. Incredible. Um, okay, I want to hear about um, what we were talking about. The prayer and the altar. Okay. And then I have a few questions I want to ask you. But I want to say this too real quick. I interviewed a guest this week and um, she walked through um, about a three-year affair. And her and her husband are together and love Jesus. And they have done a lot of hard work in their marriage. But she said something I'll never forget. And it makes me think about everything you guys talk about with the three questions and honesty and love. She said, um, when you fight the devil in the dark, you'll never win. Mm. That's right. And I don't think I'll ever forget that. Because she's basically saying what we all say, what I wrote, whatever, mm. what, what we teach, what we preach, everything is like, bring it to, bring the, it light, to the light or it will just stay there. She said, if you fight the devil in the dark, you'll always win. Mm. Try. Yeah. And new level, new devil. Yeah. Mm. Mm. We talk about this a lot um, on our teams because mm-hmm. I, I lead other pastors and leaders, help develop them, help them help them walk out this kind of stuff. It's a passion of mine. And what's so different about today's current culture than even five years ago, 10 years, 20 years ago, is that there are so many more opportunities for those little voices of flirtation Mm -hmm. or those secretive sort of things, because it's no longer just, you know, in a foyer or at a restaurant or just walking around town. It's not even just email. It's also social media. It's direct messages. It's all these, All all of these avenues for other people whether it's flirting or speaking affirmation that's louder than the affirmation you're getting from your spouse. So Jamie and I, we made kind of like you talk about some of your priorities. One of our priorities has been, we want to be the biggest cheerleader for each other Mm -hmm. that that there is. Like nobody should out cheer Cheer us or affirm Jamie Ivey other than me. No other man should ever, ever do that. No other woman should ever do that. Nobody else should be a bigger fan of her. And that's been helpful for us. And then when you start to feel like, well, maybe I'm not affirming her like I need to be because I, I I step in a room and everybody else is. It makes me want to step that up and I, so that I'm I'm speaking that in And her I life. always like to say that that takes work. It takes a lot of I work. I don't 100% understand what Aaron does. <laughs> I don't understand music. Right. He'll play me a new song. And I mean, this is not as I hurt his feelings anymore. No. But I literally don't know how it's different than maybe the other song you played me last week. Right. And so, because <laughs> we're all about the same guy, Jesus. So yeah, she's like, cool. Yeah. And so I have to work really hard, sometimes, believe it or not. Sure. To encourage him because that's not one of my, I mean, I'm an encourager, but it's, I wouldn't say that's not one of my giftings, but I can forget to encourage my man. And I do encourage you a whole lot. For but sure. But my point to this work. is you have to fight for yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Just like everything we're saying. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I got another story I have to tell you before we get to the altar. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, there was a woman in particular in our church who was being very flirty with Joe. And um, I had taught my Sunday school class one Sunday morning and I started toward his office because I was going to drop off my stuff and leave it there. And she was standing in the doorway talking to him. And as I approached the office, she held up her hand to me like this Mm-mm. and said, we're not through yet. Mm-mm. 
And I I don't know how Joe got to the door so fast. I think he flew. I, I don't know. But he was instantly there. And he said, yes, we are. We are done. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe two or three weeks later, same scenario. But she saw me come and she closed the door. And again, how you got there, I don't know, because his desk was way across the room. <laughs> mm-hmm. He flew, I guess. That door opened just like that. Mm. Honey, come on in. Mm. Well, I started bitching about her. Like, I just couldn't let it go. Mm. I talked about her, talked about her. And, you know, Joe and I believe everybody needs a therapist and everybody needs a spiritual director. Yes. And we've had a therapist for 17 years. So on and off, you know, we might mm-hmm. not see him for a year and then we go. So Joe finally said, you need to go talk to Bob about this. This is just you got some work to do. Mm. So I went and started in on her and how I feel about her and what she was doing and all that. And Bob listened for a little while. And then he kind of leaned up in his chair and he said, are are you done talking about her? I said, well, yeah, I guess. He said, well, good, because I'd really like to talk about you. Mm. And then he said this, let's see if we can figure out what you're so anxious about. Because you're hanging all of your anxiety on that poor woman's bones. That's exactly how quiet it was in the office when yep. he said it to wow. me, too. Yeah. And I thought, I can get a new therapist. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of them. Yeah. I don't, I don't need you, Bob. No, I don't need you. So there's that. Mm. Mm-hmm. One more little thing, and then I'll happy to talk about the altar in our prayer life. Um, Joe started... 30 years ago in restaurants because waitresses always flirted with him saying, uh, my wife would like iced tea and I'll have. Mm. And he started years ago when he goes in someplace where people tend to flirt with him. He started going in asking about their marriage and their children and talking about how are you today? It's been a good morning for me. Suzanne and I had an extra great time together at coffee today. Like, we started advertising who we are. Right. Up front. No with, room for... No. No no room to even think about it or bother. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, that was a game changer. It was a major game changer for me. And coming from a celibate lifestyle, it just became extraordinarily important. Because mm-hmm. if you had a collar on mm-hmm. as a priest... People don't flirt with collars. Well, they flirt, but but it's nothing it's pretty safe. Um, you know, nothing yeah. gets past the collar. Yeah, yeah. And so you might get all those words of affirmation that you spoke about mm-hmm. before, because mm-hmm. nobody else is giving them to you. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe everybody in the church is, but somebody in particular may be giving you more affirmation sure. than you needed to get. And uh, it all just seemed so very safe. And honestly, a little naive as a priest about flirtation. Yeah. And what was going on? So it was a, it was a real lesson for me to learn to stop all that with conversation about Suzanne That's and good. I, and conversation yeah. with the kids. And yeah. it's just such a That's rough really life good. that you're living these days. All this like having all to stop flirting, all the flirtation. Flirting, flirting, flirting. Yeah, life's hard. In here. <laughs> it's a tough. <laughs> Enough of that. To the okay, altar. Speaking, Talk let's about pray the for altar. <laughs> let's get back to the altar where we started. <laughs> okay. Talk to us about contemplative prayer and the altar. Well, I'm Joe's the person to talk about contemplative prayer, but I, I would just say this much. Um, Jenny, my daughter Jenny, gave me, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe now, a bunch of white stones for Christmas, and they had the names of all of our children and grandchildren and Joe's, and 
words like help and thank you and worship and challenges and uh, think and and, and, and. And Joe bought me a three-tiered candle holder that has nine candles on it. And I've been praying with those stones every day that I'm home since. Mm. And I just light a candle and put the stone in front of that one on the tier. And um, over the years, we've done enough corporate prayer and enough individual prayer. I'll never catch him, of course. You know, he's had a spiritual director since he was 14. Yeah. But um, contemplative practice recreates the center of my being every time I do it. And so if I'm consistent in my practice, I don't get off center much. Mm. And it's about an awareness that I'm not in control because contemplative prayer is about letting go, not about taking on something. Mm. So our altar is now uh, a big sideboard, essentially. And um, it's got meaningful things hanging above it and meaningful pieces on it. Mm -hmm. And um, I pray at that altar at least three times a day or in our prayer room. Mm. You have a room in your house devoted to this. Yes, we We do. We have a space in in the front of the house that that is prayer space for us, Mm -hmm. sacred space for us. And all of those items connect us connect us back to God, connect us to people who gave them to us, connect us to places we were together. So it's just become this very large, sacred space where we know when we're we're in that space, something unique and something grace-filled mm. is happening. Yeah. Another thing we do is we use every room for its purpose. So we never handle anything that has anything to do with money in our bedroom, and there's no fighting in our bedroom. Ever. Ever. No. No fighting in our prayer space. So literally, mm. if we're in a bad place, then one of us just leaves and goes to the prayer space. And if the other one joins us there, then that's, the conversation is changed instantly by the space and mm. the place. That is so good. Uh, no fighting in the car. Where's fighting happen? Uh, we, well, it, we try to in make it as inconvenient <laughs> as possible. Yeah. So wherever there's uh, two chairs, when the weather's nice, you have to go outside to fight. Mm. And we also don't talk about problems. You know, every church has antagonists that are awfully hard to deal with. Uh-huh. We also have limited space for where you can talk about that. So oh, yeah. our bedroom is for things that ought to happen in the bedroom. What, what would that be? Our dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're my age... Uh, if you've married a man who was celibate till it, he was 40, it's... <laughs> Got a late start. Lots, lots to yeah. make up. Lots <laughs> happening. Our children just died. Oh, hey, yeah, they did. Listen, sure. the, yeah. my, one of my main goals is to talk about this stuff in she, front of our kids. Oh, yeah. I just need them to know. She has a room devoted in our house that she'll take them in just to make them feel <laughs> uncomfortable, tell them stories. And... Yeah. yeah. It's so good. I think space where you allow stuff, because mm-hmm. that you you spiritually leave stuff there when you do that, sure. right? Like, yeah. So don't take it in there. Why would we want a church antagonist in our bedroom mm. or in our prayer space mm-hmm. or in our kitchen at our table? Why yeah. would we? Yep. Yeah. 
Well, it's it's un it's uncovering the old way of living. You think about yeah. Christian mystics, where right. it's like there was such a connection between spirituality and the space you were in. You would go to a place to um, spiritually retreat. Right. The kitchen was made for preparing food right. and mm-hmm. hospitality, and that was a sacred sort of thing. And so much of that is lost in our current culture. Where Absolutely. well, this is just a house that we live in, so we do everything everywhere. in every room. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're that's good recovering, rekindling that old sacred way of living. It's convicting. Um, one of the reasons we moved out to the country, we live out, you know, we live in Austin, but we live out in the woods. So mm-hmm. there's no houses that you can see right. around us. And that was a huge step for us of having sacred space. Um, our family needed it. Our some kids, solitude. some come from trauma. And so even the surroundings of our house, it changed our family dynamics and a sense of peace. But y'all are taking it to a even a, a deeper level, which is so beautiful. When our kids were fighting with each other, one at each end of the hall till they worked it out. We just went on with our life. Mm. We didn't take that into any room either. Mm. When you can agree on what happened and what you think ought to happen, let us know. We'd all just go on with our lives. Sometimes they'd sit there for hours. But that got old. Yeah, <laughs> sure that gets did. real old. Can Talk- you give, um, I didn't interrupt you. I was just going to tell him to talk about contemplative practice because he okay, does it yeah. better yeah. than anybody. Can you give people helpful, because some people, you know, are like, I don't, I don't even know how to shape my prayer life. Are there some practical things that you could help people to start down the road of this contemplative prayer being a, a lifestyle and a rhythm? Sure. Um, contemplative living, contemplative prayer is simply um, a silent opening of your heart and mind to God. I mean, that's the simplest definition Mm -hmm. that I could give of any kind of contemplative prayer. Of all of the spiritual practices and all of the spiritual disciplines, the one that I think is most essential, most important, that is pretty much lost in the Protestant church, uh, has been pretty lost in the Catholic church as well, except in terms of religious orders and nuns and monasteries mm-hmm. and those kinds of things, is the practice of centering prayer or contemplative prayer, where one sits and meditates in total, complete silence, allowing your thoughts and your feelings to go and um, just be, just be in the presence of the holy and let God do what God is going to do for that 20-minute sit yeah. that you, you actually do. I think that's by far the most important. I think it's by far the most necessary. And then I have people come and say, well, nothing happened during that 20 minutes. It's not about what you're going to get. It's Mm -hmm. not about any of that. It's about the activity of God. And the simplest thing is that we're opening ourselves totally and completely to the activity of God for that 20 minutes. Um, The best way I describe that, and and you all probably have that kind of place out there in the country, it sounds like, but I've always thought... If our house just was out in the country and had a big porch on the back side of the house and had two big rocking chairs, I know God's going to come sit in that rocking chair every morning at 730 in the morning, and I have a choice to go sit there next to him or not. Mm. And I don't have to talk to him. I just have to be mm. in the presence. Right, right. So I think that's the most important. If you, When we take it past that, then people say, well, if I'm going to do a spiritual discipline, what is that going to be? Is it going to be uh, reading the Bible every day, my daily devotional? Am I going to fast? Am I going to meditate? Whatever that means, because there's lots of different forms of meditation, Mm -hmm. Um, all those kinds of things. And the the best 
definition I could give of a contemplative act is, is simply this. Any act, which opens things up pretty big, any act habitually entered into with your whole heart that awakens, deepens, and sustains within you a contemplative experience of the inherent holiness of the present moment. Mm. And when you define a contemplative act that way or contemplative practice that way, then you expand the possibilities of what, what is it that awakens, deepens, and sustains within you the awareness that God's here right in this very moment yeah. with me, yeah. you know, uh, it could be a silent walk in the woods. It could be singing a song. It could be baking bread. It could be writing poetry. It, there's, it could be almost anything. Mm. And, and you keep returning to that same act over and over and over in your life, habitually entered into, because whatever those acts are that you do, awaken, deepen, and sustain within you. This is a holy moment that That's God's right. here with me yeah. Yeah. right now in this very moment. I think one of the reasons that has been so important in our life is, is when I went in seminary at 14, I was studying to be uh, a member of a religious congregation of priests, uh, you know, like the Jesuits or the Dominicans mm -hmm. or Franciscans. I was with the Vincentian Fathers. And they had a high school seminary, so we could start our education in high school. And, and when we did that, they started us with all of these spiritual practices, the bell rang at five o'clock in the morning. You got up and you went down to morning prayers and then you had meditation. And then you went to mass and then you had breakfast and then you came back and you had another spiritual exercise and you did your classes and you stopped before lunch and you prayed. And it was throughout the whole day. And then as I got older and into the novitiate, there were even more spiritual practices to practice. So when you start that with a young boy at 14, I did it not because I loved it, not because I thought it was fun or that it was even meaningful to me at that particular point, but I did it because it was the rule and you you went through the rules and regulations. Right. But if you've done that from 14 to 40, then it becomes your life and it just became the way of, of me being connected to the holy in my life by all of those varied, varied practices. So then when I left the priesthood, it was a matter of saying, now that we're married. Mm. How are we going to do this? How are yes. we going to do this? Do you just quit saying liturgy of the hours because it's hard to find seven mm -hmm. different times during the day when you have to go to the grocery store and pick up kids for a basketball game and cook dinner, wash clothes. and so. Or do you get a modified liturgy of the hours, which yeah. we did. So we got a modified mm -hmm. liturgy of the hours and we took all of those spiritual practices and said, well, I don't have to do all of them every week. Mm. But I will pick out the ones that are meaningful for this season of my life or the other ones that may be meaningful in another season of my life and practice those or things that we can do together. So contemplative prayer, Suzanne and I do that together. So it's just a time for us when we stop and we sit, we take 15. This is public confession. Instead of 20 minutes, we do 15 minutes. The reason we do that is we have one of those crazy clocks that rings every 15 minutes. Let's just know, right? So yeah. it starts... Yeah. We start with the clock, and then 15 minutes later, we stop with the clock. So, mm. it, But it, we tried to find those kinds of ways to incorporate into our lives those practices then that opened us up gently and slowly to the holy. Mm. And I, I, I think we just need to say that Oscar Miller, Joe's father in the priesthood, I would say, <laughs> one day Joe said to him, you know, Oscar, I'm not sure what holiness is. And he said, oh, that's an easy one. 
Holiness is just having an open heart and pure intentions. Mm. Well, when that's what holiness is, then it's not about how many hours you pray or if you did it every Wednesday or if you, it, it isn't about that anymore. It's about what opens your heart and what keeps your intentions pure. Mm. I love that you are including contemplative prayer as like one of the things that you say is foundational for your marriage Every being day. healthy. Every That's day. not usually on people's list of what makes a great marriage. I actually, I don't think I've ever heard anybody include that and it should be. And I'll say one more thing about it and then we can keep chatting. But, um, you know, when you read the gospels, there were several times where um, people were around Jesus or followers of Jesus and even though they didn't know him yet or what he thought about things or what all he was about, they were captivated by him. Mm -hmm. There was something about them and his people that was so mesmerizing and so different about them that it captured their attention. And I feel that way about people that have been with God, mm -hmm. that are consistently with God. The, the people that I respect the most in my life are the ones that I know meet with God every single sure. day in contemplative prayer, in Bible study, in communing with Him. There's such a savory difference about their life and the fruit of the Spirit that comes from them. It's just totally different. And I, that that it's obvious in you guys. You are people well, of peace. You are people that have the fruit of the Spirit. That's what That's what we want. I think... To your point, if believers were spending time like that and had the aroma of Christ on them and their marriage, mm. communities would be different, cities would be different, countries would be different because of that aroma of Christ on us. I, I totally Good agree. Language. I love the language. There's two things I wanted to say as you were talking that just sort of struck in my head. And, and one was that the initial response to that is, oh my God, where am I going to find 15 minutes mm -hmm. to stop and do a sit every single day? You know, our lives are so busy, so busy. And, and Richard Foster said 35 years ago, muchness and manyness, noise and crowds and hurry are the tools of the devil. You mm -hmm. know? So that was 35 years ago. You can imagine the muchness and the manyness nowadays. You right. know? So, but I, I've always said to people when I'm taught centering prayer, you can take 15 minutes every day to stop and do that. You can find it. I wouldn't go out of the house in the morning without doing something with my hair and brushing my teeth and taking a shower. And, and, you know, I mean, there's just some things yeah. we do every day that we could stop and take 15 100%. minutes someplace in the day to the other point that you were saying about the impact it has when people met that it just struck me because last night after we left this wonderful dinner and great fellowship with all of you, we got to the hotel and it was close to midnight and um, I went in the hotel to check in and there was a man in front of me checking in. And I just stood back patiently, waited to check in. And then I went ahead and checked in and we and got our stuff and went to the room. But as I was leaving the counter, the woman said, have a blessed evening. And I said, thank you very much and went to the room. And then there was something we needed to call down to the front desk about a little bit later. And I called down and, and I said, this is Reverend Joe Stabile in room such and such. And could you help us get da 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 da? And she said, Oh, I didn't know that you were a reverend. She said, But when you stepped up to the counter, I just sort of sensed something was different. That's it. You know? Yes. And I think yes. that's, that's the thing. If, if we're doing these spiritual practices in our lives, whatever ones we choose, it's, it's about just merely being open to the activity yeah. of God. Yeah. Well, that That's dinner good. was like being dipped in hospitality. <laughs> it was a bath. Right? Hospitality bath. It was. It was, it was, yeah. it was felt, that. 
I felt like I was dipped in hospitality and showered in grace oh. the entire oh, dinner. So and generosity. Yes. Mm. Every every human was generous. I it was Amazing. I told y'all last night, I'll be talking about that dinner till I, I die. And I, I will be. So much. Oh, so I lovely. You guys, I think that the four of us could sit at this table for three more hours. Yes. It feels like we could. It feels like we could. Like we have a lot to learn from um, you guys. I just want to say, and you can speak on yourself, but I'm, for, for me, um, in a committed marriage and as a woman in ministry and as um, someone who, who loves her kids and <clears throat> loves doing life, I am so encouraged by this conversation. Yep. I mean, literally, I will listen to this again and take notes, and I was right here. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you for for your vulnerability, for your honesty, for your leadership. Um, thank you for going before us and modeling mm-hmm. a, a healthy, hardworking, put-in-the-hours marriage. Yeah. I yeah. agree with all of that. You agree. Affirm you agree. all of that. Oh. You guys are a blessing. Thank you for having us. Thank I, you. It's an honor. You know, our uh, Joel and the people who work for us are much younger than we are, and they refer to us and a couple of our volunteers as the olds. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so now Joe and I have started referring to groups of people like we were with last night as the youngs. Uh-huh. So, okay. <laughs> and uh, I just want to say that we're happy to have uh, left whatever ever breadcrumbs we did. Mm-hmm. But we are committed to two things a- along with everything else. And one is... We always want to be sure that we tell you how much we're learning from you because mm-hmm. that's a two-way street. And um, it, we learn so much from people who are younger than we are. And then the second thing is something we're trying to say to our peers. And the short version is shut up, sit down, and move over. You've had your turn. Mm. And by that we mean... It's time for baby boomers to stop talking and to uh, resign from their positions at the church and on the boards in the community and move over and let you all have your day. And we've done it intentionally in Life in the Trinity Ministries. Joe does it intentionally at the church. We're doing it intentionally in our family, and we've not regretted it for one moment, Hmm. not for a moment, because we're about to skip a generation of leadership Hmm. because we've lived so long and worked so long. So to the people our age, the youngs have a lot to teach us, Hmm. and uh, we've had our day. And when we're asked, we have something to share. Hmm. And if you wait, you'll be asked. Mm Mm-hmm. And it will be better received if you wait until the invitation comes. Hmm. And on that. Well, that's, I think you just dropped your microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. Um, uh, Sibyl, thank you you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank y'all. Thank you. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson. The whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a friend. Have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here on Friday for a conversation with one of my favorites, Dr. Russell Moore. You can host the best backyard barbecue. 
when you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 